Bible says they're a heritage of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite Elder Hart here to the pulpit at this time. It's good to be here today, man. Appreciate the presence of the Lord that I feel here in a great way. I think he's here with purpose. God never manifests his presence without purpose. It's never just to make us feel good. Never just to make us feel good. And I think he's here with purpose. There's a verse in scripture that says to give honor where honor is due. And I believe in that today. And we're going to go into the word in just a minute. Um, but uh, this last week, I, I wish all of us could have been there. They wouldn't have fit us anyway because they only had room for 50, which doesn't hardly seem right. But uh, that's what there was room for. There was a special dinner in Linwood, and they call it, uh, it's gone on for several years now, it's called Heroes of the Faith, and it honors of lifetime of work of people who have invested in the kingdom, and oftentimes, you know, they sort of touch on the highlights in those luncheons, they touch on a few things that have been accomplished along the way, and um and that's well and good, but usually heroes of faith, it's all the things we don't see that they do. The hours spent in prayer, the, the works behind the scenes that they're involved in, the things they're giving themselves to that no one ever knows, that people just think sort of happen, but we know doesn't just happen. It takes people laboring and sleepless nights spent in prayer, praying over families and investing in others and selflessly giving. And, and you know... Uh, Three years ago, is that about right? Yeah, about three years ago, give or take a few months there, the Lord saw fit. He saw a need in our body, this body and group of believers here. And so he saw fit to send brother and sister Jester our way. He really did. I mean, you look around, we're a bunch of young people. And the Lord knew the power of elders and the power of those who have walked this road for years of faithfulness and years of investing and years of sowing. Uh, I'll tell you a story about the heart of brother and sister Jester. There were several services along the way where they would say to me, Brother Hart, What's that person's name there? Tell me that person's name again. I'm trying to remember their name. And they were, they were concerned with remembering the name of every person that they could remember. You think, well, why'd they worry about that? I know why they were worrying about that. They were worrying about that because I know them. They're praying for every person. They're calling their name in prayer. They want to they know your name when they greet you too. But at this luncheon this last week there in Linwood, in Seattle, the jesters were honored for their years of service. Some of you may not know this. Uh, they pastored in Omak, Washington. They pastored in Wenatchee, Washington. Uh, what, 40 plus years of ministry that they've given. I'm probably selling them short with that. 
they have given themselves to ministry. And three years ago, like I said, the Lord saw fit to bring them here. And we're so thankful. So thankful. Sister Jester's made a statement to me. She said, oh, I don't feel like we do anything. Oh, if you only knew. Kind word. A hug from a precious elder. Brother Jester, when he greets you. I remember the first time I met Brother Jester. When I was doing youth work and I was younger than I am right now. And uh, I remember him looking me in the eye and saying, I could feel his support. And he said, I love you, Brother Hart. And, you know, people have said that along the way. But when he said, I knew it. I knew it. I, even though I hadn't, I mean, I, I knew him from afar, but never in person before. And when he said that, I, I knew it was an expression of his heart. And... Uh, I so appreciate that. They are precious people of God and they have given themselves. And we wanted to take an opportunity as a congregation to appreciate them today. I'm not going to make them stand and walk up here and put all that on them. But we're going to take something to them. And could you just appreciate the gestures with me this morning and the thankfulness of a life served and the fact that God brought them to us. easy to love I don't know yes brother Jester he might say it's work to love sister Jester that's just because he's honoring she'd probably say it's work to love him too someday <laughs> amen love them very much and thankful that they're a part of the body of Christ here with us amen praise God I'm glad you're here this morning it's good to be here I'm gonna tell you this tie is bugging me to death tie doesn't make anybody more spiritual I've learned that and uh, I'm just going to take that thing off amen I want you to go in the word of God with me for just a few minutes this morning there's some things on my heart I believe if you would allow the Lord he would like to speak into your spirit you know one of the greatest challenges for us as human beings is to allow God to speak into our spirit you know why God has difficulty speaking into our spirit? It's not God. The difficulty isn't for him. We create the difficulty. You know why it's difficult for him to speak in our spirit? Because he often or almost always has to get past our intellect. And the scripture is very clear. It says the carnal mind... Or human reasoning and thought. The carnal mind is enmity with God. That means the carnal mind or human reason opposes God. So when we try to process the word of God through our intellect. There's always a struggle. I mean tell me how someone can shed blood. And that blood can cover the sin of an entire world. I can't understand that in my human intellect. I can't make it fit. I can't process it in my human intellect. 
But when I receive that into my spirit by faith, I know it to be true. And then it begins to work in my life. But if I try to just get it right here on the human understanding and human reasoning and human intellect level, it never gets into my spirit. The Lord wants to speak into our spirit. Because when he speaks into our spirit, his word comes alive. Comes alive. And so I want his word in my spirit today. Amen. Very familiar scriptures. Genesis chapter number 2. I think that's where I want to go. Yeah, Genesis chapter 2. And verse 15. We'll share scriptures today you've heard before. Genesis 2 and 15. This is, this is right after the, uh, the serpent. That serpent Satan, the scripture uses the word, has beguiled Eve. He's deceived her. Deceived her into taking action contrary to the word of God and contrary to the will of God. And so the Lord has now stepped on the scene. God has spoken to them and they said the serpent did this. And, and so the Lord... God pronounces these things, verse 15. I might have wrote down the wrong verse. That is the wrong verse. Maybe it's chapter 1. No, it's not chapter 1 and 15. Let's try 3 and 15. Thank you, audio, video guy. I know you guys love me, especially when I give you the wrong verse. I was like, I'm reading that, but that doesn't read right. I mean, it reads right, but not what I want to read this morning. Listen to what, this is the Lord speaking here. And he says, and I, he's speaking to the serpent, Satan, that beguiled Eve. Hear what he says. I, who's talking? God. God's talking. And he said, I will put enmity. That's really important. God's going to do this. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And it, it is the seed, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. How many of you heard that verse before? Most of us, yeah. Of course, at the beginning of time, here where we just read, The Lord God is speaking prophetically of what he will do when he comes and wraps himself in flesh and he takes on the form of a servant and the seed of a woman we know is the seed of Mary when she is conceived with child of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. And so when she, this Virgin Mary, conceives, she has the seed in her of the Holy Ghost. This child is going to, that seed is going to bruise the head of the serpent. How's that going to happen? Well, you can read another place in Scripture. And the Word of God says he puts all things under his feet. The good thing about it is the only thing Satan can do is bruise the heel of the body of Christ. Because he's under the feet. And so we can read this passage of Scripture and... We see that and we think, man, how's that going to happen? Especially if you're way back then. But God has a plan. 
I'd like you to pray with me this morning and ask the Lord to have his way in what remains of this time together. That he would talk to our lives the way he wants to. In the name of Jesus, Father, we're asking you according to your word to speak the things that you desire. To speak the things that you desire into our spirit. We can do absolutely nothing without you, Lord. In me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. But God, you are righteous and you are just. I pray the utterance of your spirit this morning to speak expressly to our lives. The things that you're desiring us to lay hold of. That your word would quicken in us the things that you are wanting to quicken. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In Jesus' name. So he says, this is going to take place in this prophetic word given there and spoken, this curse of the serpent and really this curse to the woman, right? We understand that she was going to have pain in childbearing as a result of this. And so this thing that takes place at the beginning of time, somewhere along the way, I don't know how they were long, long they were in the garden before this happened, but near the beginning of time, and then time begins to pass. And there's no fulfillment. Time continues to pass. And there's no fulfillment. Have you ever felt like God told you he was going to do something and then saw no fulfillment? Have you ever felt like, I mean, we're just human beings this morning, right? We're all real people. Have you ever felt like you heard something from the word of God or maybe in prayer or somebody spoke something to you and when they spoke it, it quickened faith in your heart and you said yes and you laid hold on it and wanted to receive it and, and believe that and you realize this is more than just something that sounds good. I believe God was putting something in my heart there. and I want, But then time began to pass. And as time passed, you begin to wonder, is that just me? When's the... When am I going to see it happen? When is it going to come to pass? When is I want to believe it. I want to hold on to it. But I'm not seeing anything. And faith can begin to wane. And my confidence can begin to waver. And my hope can begin to be lost. And maybe, just maybe, I start giving room to the accuser. And start giving room to the voice of doubt. And start giving room to a voice of despair. And I forget the very word that God spoke. Time passes and time passes and failures come and disappointments take place and maybe we move a step closer and something happens that quickens faith again and we remember the word that was spoken and we maybe lay hold afresh and hope springs and but time passes and we don't see it fulfilled again and time passes and and then if we're not careful Callousness begins to set into our heart and our spirit. A hardness of heart begins to develop that says, No, I've laid on to that hold. I've held on to that word before. And I let myself believe again only to be disappointed again. I let myself trust the word again only to be disappointed again. And you know what? I'm not doing that again. I'm not buying. And so callousness and a hardness of heart begins to build. And we don't even realize what we're doing is the enemy through the accuser, the deception of the enemy. He's causing, trying to get us to get a hardness of heart so that I'll resist the word of God. 
time passes and there's a question of when. I want to believe it, but when? And so there comes this wrestling in our humanity between the Word of God that never fails and our human reasoning that just can't see it happening. read the Old Testament you know there's some that say the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore and we've done away with it the Old Testament has tremendous value we don't live under the Old Testament but the Old Testament the scripture tells us is a schoolmaster that points us to Christ so we need the word of God we need the entire word of God so the Old Testament gives us examples symbolism we learn from the history of the Israelite people we see types and shadows in their lives that point to us as the church the spiritual Israel And so we see these things, so we need that. And we look throughout the Old Testament and we see word after word after word from the prophets uh, Isaiah and Malachi and all in between there and before there and Daniel. And you read those scriptures and you see these prophetic utterances of this Messiah that's coming, of God Himself bringing salvation, of God Himself coming and robing Himself. And you see these promises through the years and they're pointing back to this word in Genesis and they're pointing forward to something that hasn't happened yet. And you see Israel going through these stages as a nation. Success and failure. Success and failure. Cleaving to the word of God. Then cleaving to the world. Then clinging, running back to the word of God. And then getting bored with it because they don't see a fulfillment completely yet. And then turning back to the ways of the world and the ways of heathens. And the Lord coming and bringing judgment. Not to destroy them, but judgment that would cause them to turn back to him again. So he can continue to work his word. Because he hasn't finished what he started yet. You see it throughout the Old Testament, this pattern that takes place. You see it in the judges before the prophets ever come on the scene. And then in the prophets, you see it repeated again. You see Israel taken into Babylon, 400 years of captivity. I wonder in captivity if they thought, sounded good. I just don't see it. I mean, you go back before Babylon, you see them when they came out of Egypt. Don't you know when they came out of Egypt? They had a promise, right? I'm going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Man, that would make you bail out of Egypt, won't it? Well, I can leave on that kind of word. The Lord's gonna, and the Lord did a miraculous thing. Obviously, blood on the doorpost, symbolic of the blood of Christ. And the death angel passes through Egypt, killing all of the firstborn that didn't have blood over the door. And so the Lord leads Egypt out, or leads Israel out of Egypt, destroys all of the Egyptians that pursued after them in the Red Sea. We know that's a type and shadow of baptism, washing away all of the past. And so there they come through, and they're thinking, here we go. God has delivered us by a mighty hand, and we're on our way. And the Word of God said we're going to a land of milk and honey. And they're excited. They've got faith. But then. Oh, somewhere between Egypt and the promised land and the Red Sea and the promised land, there's a place called wilderness. And wilderness lasted a few years, 40 to be exact. Someone has said, I haven't studied this, don't quote me on this, but I've I've heard it from a couple of people, and uh, it would make sense. They have said that if you map out from Egypt to the promised land in the 
Old Testament, I guess if you go look at one of those maps in the back of your Bible that you don't visit very often or I don't. They've said that you could walk with the right supplies. You could walk in about seven days journey from Egypt to the promised land. Why do some trips that could be a lot shorter take so much longer? Well, it's not because God failed. But he had a purpose for the wilderness. Didn't mean his word failed. He was leading them. But you can read. We won't take the time to do that today. You can go back and read. The wilderness served purpose. He was taking some things out of them in the wilderness so he could put some things in them in the promised land. He was changing some of the way they thought in the wilderness so that when they came into the promises of God, they had right ways of thinking. The wilderness does that to us. The wilderness has a way of revealing our character, doesn't it? The wilderness has a way of revealing what's in us. And oftentimes in my own life, Brother Joel, I've learned the things it reveals, Brother Jester, aren't always things I like to see or acknowledge that are there. But the wilderness draws those things to the surface, and I have to either be honest with myself or give way to deception. And so the wilderness serves a purpose, but it does not mean the word of God isn't going to be fulfilled. And so Israel, let's get back on track here. So Israel goes through these phases, and you read the Old Testament, waiting on the fulfillment of the word of God. Now we know, of course, that when we get to the Gospels, and we read the Gospels, we see the fulfillment of Genesis 3 and 15. When the Lord Jesus Christ, God himself, robed in flesh, is born of a virgin named Mary. And we see him walk on the earth for 33 and a half years or so. Three and a half years or so of ministry. And the close of that ministry. John chapter 19. Verse number 30. We find him hanging on the cross. He's been through the beating, the whipping. He's been through Gethsemane. And all the mental anguish that went with that. With choosing the will of God over his own human will. Suffering stripes of the Roman soldiers. Nails have now been put in his hands and feet. And here... We find him breathing his last breath. Watch what he says. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. I have a question. What was finished? Was he saying, my life is finished now? No. I mean, the humanity portion was now dead. But what was finished? i tell you what was finished. The word that he had prophesied in the garden was now finished. He had finished what he started. 
what he started some 2,000 plus years before. Since we don't really know how long it was between the garden and Noah, it could have been a lot longer than that. But at least 2,000 years before, we find that it is finished. The fulfillment of every word about him bruising the head of the serpent. It was fulfilled there when he said, it is finished. And you can go back through all of those Old Testament prophets and judges and you can see the prophetic utterance of those men of God that spake as they were moved on, the scripture says, by the Holy Ghost. And they spoke those words and penned those words that spoke of a coming Messiah that would bring salvation of himself, God himself extending his arm and bringing salvation. And so when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he was saying, every word that you've been holding on to, everything that I spoke to you in the Old Testament, every word of God that came through the mouth of my man or woman of God, every word that was ever uttered about this happening, it is finished. It is fulfilled. What I started, I completed. What I said I would do, I did. We need to understand this about God. He finishes what he starts. I have a basement in my house. When all of my kids were at home and aren't, weren't off going to college, my wife and I made our, our bedroom was in the basement. Once our kids went to college, we moved up to the master bedroom. That tells you how ranking is in my house. And uh, my girl went to college, and she's like, you guys didn't wait. You kicked me out of my bedroom. I'm like, listen here, baby girl. Yeah, the master bedroom the whole time. It's about time we kicked you out, don't you think? But in our, in our basement, in our bedroom there, we thought, well, let's see if we can at least clean up this concrete floor and put some paint on the walls and make it look like a bedroom instead of a storm cellar. And so uh, I bought this stuff at Home Depot. It's called a lure flooring. I highly recommend it if you haven't used it. It's really easy for somebody like me that knows nothing about construction. And uh, me and my boys have put it down. And uh, so just snip it. It's, it's a little advertisement for a lure flooring. But anyway. So I, I put this flooring down there in our bedroom. It looks nice. It looks like hardwood. It's a laminate. It just sticks right down. Just good, strong scissors and a measuring tape that works. And somebody that knows how to read it, and you can do it. And so anyway, that's a different story. But so we, we got the flooring down there in our, in our basement bedroom. And goodness, I don't know. That's been, I don't know. You remember how many years ago that's been? Four years maybe? Three years? Four years? Probably four years ago we finished that. Got that done. It was all in a day's work. Knocked it out. And uh, there where the door opens from the bedroom out into sort of a little family room in our basement, they, they make these things that are called transition strips. Those of you that know flooring or stuff like that, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a strip that's made for if you go from one type of flooring to another. So like if you go from carpet to tile or from you know, tile to hardwood or maybe if you just go from the same type of flooring to another but the pattern changes. There's, it's called a transition strip. right? It's a little strip that goes along there. It looks nice. It helps you make that transition from one floor to the other so you don't just have this rough unfinished edge. right? You know what I'm talking about? You got that pictured in your mind even if you don't do flooring? Okay. Well, we finished this floor in the room about three to four years ago, and I get no pleasure out of sharing this. I still haven't bought a transition strip. Some of you are laughing at me, but you're just as guilty. You know, we start projects. Thank you, Brother Dan. Right. We start projects, but we don't finish. Let's, here, I'm feeling awful alone right now. 
How many of you have a project right now that you started some time ago that's not finished? Come on, raise your hand. Look around, look around. See, we're in good company. We're in good company. We are human beings, right? And, and we have the best intentions, don't we? I, you know, I, I, I'm glad my wife is teaching downstairs. <laughs> I have went online to homedepot.com. I have found the transition strip on there. The right color, the right style of flooring that matches. I've looked at it. Why have I not clicked and bought? I don't know. I guess because if I did, it would mean I'd have work to do, Brother Flowers. <laughs> as long as the strip ain't here, I ain't got to do it. So we, we, we have unfinished stuff, don't we? And that's our human nature. We start stuff, and, and we have the intention to finish, but we don't. And these things get left undone. And what can happen in our humanity, sometimes it can feel like God starts something with us, but it's undone. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but answer this in your heart and your spirit today. You got anything going on in your life, in your relationship with God, where it just feels like, God, we started, but it's not finished. God, you started something here. I know, I remember, maybe you go back to reference points and altars in your life. You go back to a youth camp or you go back to a service or even you go back to your prayer closet one day or sitting in your couch reading the Word of God. Something left out at your heart and spoke to you and you knew God was doing a work. God is doing something in my life and you realize something's been born here. Something started and you've been hoping and waiting and holding but it's like it's not finished. And because our humanity can do that and not finish stuff, we can sort of begin to think and believe a lie. It says, well, maybe God's just not going to finish this. Maybe he started. Maybe what I felt was real, but I, I messed it up. And so therefore, God's not going to finish. Somebody hear me right now. I don't care how many times you messed up between the promise. He will finish what he started if you'll stay committed to the process. God's fulfillment is not predicated on my ability. It's predicated on you and I yielding to his purpose and allowing him to do what he wants to do in my life. Now I can abort the process. But if I say, Lord, I trust your word. I don't know how. I don't see when. I can't understand. And I've already proven I can't do it. And sometimes that's all he's waiting on. Is for you and I to get to the place to realize I can't produce his promise. I've got to let him do it. I mean, we understand that, right? We all know the story. Abraham got a promise from God and he decided he'd try to produce it. I mean, his wife was even so caring about the promises of God for Abraham's life that she agreed. Abraham, I tell you what, you and I are having a little trouble seeing this promise come to pass. Why don't you take my handmaid Hagar to you and we'll fulfill the promise that way. You guys can produce a child. Then you'll be the father of nations. Let's do that. And they tried to produce God's promise in their own ability. And we know how that worked out. Those people are called Arabs today. They're descendants of Ishmael. And that's why there's the struggle and the fight constantly between Arabs and Israelites. Because Ishmael is the descendants of Hagar and Israel's the descendants of Isaac. That's what happens when we try to produce the promise of God in our own ability. And so there we have this. And we feel this responsibility. And the enemy would come and say, God might have said it, but you've made God's word void. 
hear me today. The scripture is certain. The prophet Isaiah said it this way. God's word will not return void. But will accomplish what I've sent it to do. I may have unfinished transition strips in my basement. But God has no word that he'll leave unfinished. In your life or mine. If I'll stay submitted to the feel the Holy Ghost trying to resurrect some things in your spirit today. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to quicken some things to your heart and trying to bring faith alive again in your spirit. What he started, he will do. He always finishes. Always. Philippians chapter 1. I'm hurrying to finish, speaking of which. Philippians chapter 1. Verse number four, we'll start there. Give you a second to turn or slide there. Never thought I'd say slide to scripture. Why don't we slide to Philippians chapter one? She doesn't. Who knew? They started with scrolls and now we're scrolling again. There we go. We scrolled in the Old Testament, we're scrolling today. Full circle, huh? Look, now you guys are going to be like, oh, okay. Still think you should have a book that you can hold in your hand and look at it once in a while. Amen. Philippians chapter 1, watch this, verse number 4. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Almighty God, is writing a letter to the church at Philippi. And listen what he says. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. He's saying, here's what he's saying in plain English. I'm always praying for you and there's something I'm requesting and I'm doing it with joy. I'm not agonizing over this. I'm not praying with groaning. Oh, no, I'm I'm making this request with joy. Let's read on verse five. For your fellowship. That's speaking of relationship. For your fellowship in the gospel. When he says in the gospel, he's speaking the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and your participation in it. For your fellowship in the gospel, notice this next line. From the first day until now. I'm praying for you always. I'm making this request with joy. For your relationship with God and what you came into when you received the gospel and began to allow the gospel to be applied into your life. I'm praying for that that began from the first day until now. Verse number six. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm praying for you. For what started in you at the beginning until now was a God-ordained work. And that God-ordained work that began in you, I'm confident. I'm confident. I may not be confident of a lot of things, but he said, I'm confident of this very thing. That he which begun. Now, notice, you can read that scripture really fast and miss this. Notice he didn't say, I'm confident of the good work that you started. 
I'm confident of that basement flooring that you began. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say anything about any confidence in what you and I have started. His confidence is in what God had started in them and what God has started in us. Confident what he's begun, a good work in you will perform it. Who's going to perform it? He will. Paul was confident that anything God started in you, God's going to perform it in you. Hear me. If the Lord spoke something into your life, if the Lord put a promise of his word into your spirit, if the Lord gave you a word of God in prayer, you begin to cry out to him and he affirmed, I hear your cry. I'm working on your behalf. That which I've started, I'm finished. You can stand on the word of God. He finishes what he starts and what he started in you. He intends to finish. Don't bail on the process. I wonder if the... Uh, I wonder if the prodigal son in the pig pen decided, you know, I once had promise in my father's house, but not anymore. Matter of fact, we know he thought that way because when he decided to go back to his father's house, he had already decided he was no longer a son. He didn't even have the confidence to approach his father as his father's son. You know what he was doing? He was going, rather than allow my father to disown me, I'm going to go ahead and take care of that for myself. He had listened to the voice of the accuser long enough. Isn't it funny? Ironic funny, not ha-ha funny. Isn't it funny how we can come to God and do the devil's work? Right? The prodigal son was like, I'll just disown myself before I go back to the father. That way I don't have to suffer. The sh See, he was trying to protect himself is what he was doing. Anytime you find yourself selling yourself short to God, it's a sure sign that you're trying to protect something there that God's wanting to heal. And that's exactly what he was doing, selling himself short. I'll just go back and I'll say, I'm no longer... God didn't say this. This is the prodigal son's words. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. At least a servant's got it better than I do in a pig pen. Hear me. When you come back, when you yield yourself to the promise of God, he doesn't say, oh, you know what? I gave you a promise. But somewhere between the promise and now, you ended up in a pig pen. You wasted substance that I gave you. There's things I put in you that you wasted. And therefore, when you return, my promises change. And you're going to have to settle for a little less than what I promised you. God doesn't work that way. All the promises in him are yea and amen. Yes, and it is settled. Would you stand with me this morning? I know most of you pretty fairly well. Some of you I know really well. A few of you I don't know hardly at all. 
But the Lord knows every one of us. And he knows the things that he's put in our lives for his purpose. And so what we have to determine is what's been put in our life for his purpose. And what's in our life that's not for his purpose. And if there's something or someone that's been put in my life that's clearly for his purpose, I should hold that. But if there's something or someone put in my life that's not fulfilling his purpose, I need to seek to get that out of my life. Because all that matters is his purpose being wrought through my life and yours. The Lord's wanting you to know this morning. He's going to finish what he started. I don't care if he spoke it thousands of years ago. Now, there's nobody in this room, I don't think, that's thousands of years ago. Word. Oh. If you are, you hide it well. I know there's things in my life that were spoken 30 plus years ago I haven't seen yet. But I believe it as strong today as I've ever believed it in my life. Why? Because I have evidence. No. I have a word to stand on. What do you see? I don't see anything. But I have a word of God to stand on. And I am determined to stand until. Well, but what if? No, what if? I'm standing on the word of God. His word cannot fail. I want you to pray with me right now. Come on, talk to God where you are this morning. The Lord is trying. I feel the Spirit of God reaching to souls, trying to rekindle something in your life. There's some, there's some of you here this morning, you have already decided you're going to settle for a little less. That is not the plan, will, or purpose of God. For some reason, you've decided... I'll, I'll settle for a little less. If I can only just come back as a servant, that'll be enough. That is not the plan of God. That is not the desire of God. That is not the voice of God. His desire is to fulfill all that He promised to you. What He spoke, He will do. There's some of you I feel this morning. You were a child when God began to deal with your heart and speak some things. And you wondered and you're remembering even today what you felt as a child. Maybe at a camp meeting as a young boy. And God spoke to you. And you were sure and certain it was God. But you never saw the fulfillment. And you maybe even dismissed the thought. But today God is reaching again. And he's reminding you of that word or that promise. And he's wanting you to lay hold again. He's wanting you to lay hold again. His word never fails. His word will be fulfilled. He finishes what he started. I want to open this altar to you. Why don't you come find a place. Lay hold on the word of God afresh. Find a place to lay hold on the promises of God anew. Find a place to let him reach into your spirit again and quicken alive that word that he's spoken. Let his will be wrought in the name of Jesus. I bind the words of the accuser. I bind the words of the deceiver. And I lose faith. I lose your word of healing and restoration today. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, he finishes what he starts.
He finishes what He starts. What He started in you, He started with purpose. He started with purpose. Come on, cry out to Him. Talk to Him. Jesus, I receive of your word. Cast off the voice of doubt. Cast off the voice of fear. Let the Spirit of God reach through the hardness and callousness of the heart that may have been built up. Come on, he's reaching with love, not hardness. He's reaching with compassion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Trust you, Lord.
Can we stand together? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just let a praise flow out of our heart to the Lord right now. Jesus, I'm thankful for all that you've done. Jesus, I'm thankful for the ways that you're making in my life, God. God, I pray let there be a continued desire to pursue the promises that you've given to us. Jesus, the things you've already spoken, the things you've already revealed, Lord. Let it be a continued desire, Lord. Every day we want to see your kingdom come. Every day, Lord Jesus, we want to see your promise fulfilled. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Thank you, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You received this word today. Amen. Thankful for what the Lord's doing in us. My mind went back to about 16 years ago, roughly about half a lifetime ago for me. Some of you would even know the name Steve Willoughby. I was far away from here, but in a church service, not unlike this one, he came to me and he just started speaking promises to me about myself. The Lord's going to do this for you. He's going to use you in these ways and mighty things. And I was 16 years old, and I just thought, awesome. That all sounds great. Let's get it started. But here, 16 years later, and I'm, I'm just looking back, and I'm thinking, Lord, yes, you've done some great things, and I'm thankful for that. But in no way do I feel fulfilled in the sense that I'm done and I'm ready to, and ha- ready to hang it up and think that's awesome and think, no, I'm, I want more and more and more. And that's the attitude and the spirit that I feel here today. We want to see more of what the Lord would do through each of us. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a baptism here in just a little bit. And uh, so you're f- free to stay around and watch, observe that, participate if you'd like. And uh, those that are going to take place in that, um, go ahead and you can get ready for it. Um, As they're dismissed, let's just pray one more time and thank the Lord. Jesus, we thank you for your presence that we feel here today. We thank you for the word that you've spoken into each life, each heart that's here today. God, I pray that you would continue, God, to move us down the path of righteousness. I pray, Lord, that you would continue, Lord, to lead us by your spirit, Jesus, into all things that you have for us, Lord God. We give you thanks in advance today, God. Jesus, for the mighty ways that you're working. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you to greet someone. Make sure you say hi to the visitors that we have here. Make everyone feel welcome. Amen. You're dismissed.